John, the Apostle John, started his gospel with these words. He said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The opening statements of the Apostle John concerning Jesus. I just want to focus on those four seemingly simple words that John speaks in in that prologue to his gospel. In him was life. What does that mean? Can we say then, if, it, if John's statement is true, in him was life, that the opposite would also be true. That apart from him is death. What is death? In simple terms, what is death? Okay, it's a theological answer. What's that? Loss of life. We could say an, an absence of life. Um, the, the absence of, if you look it up in the dictionary, there's usually something about the, the ending of vital functions and processes within an organism. Um, and we, we often think of death in those sort of biological terms. The heart stops beating. You know, life itself, science can, uh, can figure out all kinds of things, but science still hasn't figured out what is life? And then again, death is just kind of what we, we'd say the absence of life. The, the, the blood starts, stops pumping through the heart. Um, the lungs cease to take in air and expel air. And the brain goes dark. And we lose biological consciousness as we know it. Live long enough and you will know person after person who dies. I've known now many people that have died, some young, some old. Uh, Jesus experienced such a biological death on a Roman crucifix. Yet in a larger sense, the the Bible teaches that death is, what what Alan said, and you may not have heard him, that, that death is detachment from God. And it regularly speaks of death in these terms, that death is a separation from God, a detachment from God, for he is the author of life, and it's the result of sinfulness, or we could simply say rebellion against God, that we are separated from him. And it talks of this experience, this condition, in terms of death. The Bible specifically says, that people who are relationally detached from God, though they may be biologically living, are dead in their transgresses and sins. The Bible speaks, and this theme carries all the way through eternity, the Bible speaks of an eternal judgment. And it speaks, interestingly, of this eternal judgment, that the people that will experience this eternal judgment will be eternally conscious fully aware of their experience, 
But it's called in Revelation the second death because the ultimate, you know, we, we talk about and the Bible talks about um, this eternal judgment in specific, some specific terms, but the ultimate judgment is separation from God for eternity. That's why it is the second death. I believe this is why we, we've, we've celebrated Jesus this morning sacrificing himself on a cross, that he laid down his own life on his own accord. And as he hung on that cross, Scripture teaches us that he bore the weight of sin. I often think and say that, that I, wouldn't, I, I don't want to stand before God bearing the, my own weight of my own sin. Never mind what it would be billions of times over. And he bore on himself, though he had no sin, he became sin for us, the Scripture says. And he became as sin, a sin sacrifice to God. And in that state, though he was still biologically living for those hours on the cross, there came a point that he cried out, it says in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he experienced for the first time in all of eternity what it is to be separated from God. So there's biological death, but there's also a deeper, a, a more comprehensive death of the inner man that results from sin and separates us from the author of life, God the Father, irrespective of one's temporary biological vitality. That's why it seems confusing sometimes in Scripture. You say, well, I'm living. How can the Bible say that apart from God, I'm dead? Because apart from God, you're dead, <laughs> regardless of whether you're breathing and your heart is beating. C.S. Lewis once wrote, uh, once a man is united to God, how could he not live forever? Once a man is separated from God, what can he do but wither and die? But in him was life. On Easter Sunday, we celebrate that Jesus of Nazareth, a very real man who professed to be the Son of God, who was killed on a Roman cross, who was buried for three days, we celebrate that he walked out of his tomb, a tomb that was cut in a rock, fully alive, both biologically and spiritually. And perhaps we could say, and I was thinking about this a little bit, I think we could safely say that he was a completely new alive than the human race has ever experienced. A new life beyond life that we had ever seen before. I enjoyed doing our Good Friday service as Maggie read, Maggie Johnson read Isaiah 53 out of the message. And, it, and Isaiah 53.10 out of the message says that the plan was 
that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. And then it says, life, life, and more life. Life as we've never known it before. In him was life. What does that mean? For one, in John's prologue, he tells us in that context that in Jesus was creative life. The existence of all living things as we know them, including yourself. John says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians 1, for by him all things were created. J.I. Packer writes in his book, Knowing God, there is no physical life in the realm of created things except in and through him. Now what John is telling us is that several millennia before Jesus physically put on flesh and walked on the earth, he was dwelling as God the Son in perfect unity with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And in that unity, by their creative power, everything that has been created was created. And God bestowed on all living things the breath of life from his own breath, from his own spirit, the same word. Now, if this is true, that God is creator, that Jesus is responsible for the creation of all things, then that means that we all... Oh, Jesus, our very life. That my very existence, the fact that I am here, that you can hear me, that you can see me, that you can touch me, my very existence is owed to Christ. And that all the glory that I see in creation is owed to Christ. And that all honor and gratitude and accountability for this life would be owed to the one who has created. Now this life was created to be everlasting. And if you read the beginning of Genesis, you see that God created man and he created woman in his likeness. And he told them, listen, paraphrase, right? All will be well, but there's one caveat you must not eat from this specific tree, this tree of knowledge, for if you do, you will surely die. Avoid it, walk in obedience and harmony with me, and you will live. In him was life. So apart from him, there can be only death. And if you know the story, mankind did rebel against God. And, and, and they didn't literally drop dead at that moment. For if you eat of this tree, you will surely die. 
They didn't drop dead in that moment, but they did die right then and there. They died in two senses, in fact. Number one, they became mortal. They became people who would get old. And in that day, they actually lived much longer than we do today, historically speaking, according to the Bible. But their bodies would still get old. They would get gray. They would get wrinkly. They would get aches and pains. They wouldn't be able to do what they did when they were young. Eventually, they would get sick, and their bodies would fail them. They would die, and their bodies would rot. They became mortal. But secondly, they died in a deeper sense inwardly because of the rift between them and God. So mortal biological life, apart from God, became only a shell of what true life was meant to be. Again, C.S. Lewis wrote, Biological life is not the same as the life there is in God. It is only a kind of symbol or shadow of it. Later he writes, and we can put this up, what man in his natural condition has not got is spiritual life. The higher and different form of life that exists in God. We use the same word life for both. But if you thought that both must therefore be the same sort of thing, that would be like thinking the greatness of space and the greatness of God were the same sort of greatness. Biological life has, to be sure, a shadowy or symbolic resemblance to spiritual life, but only the sort of resemblance there is between a photo and a place, or a statue and a man. A man who changed from having biological life to having spiritual life would have gone through as big a change as a statue which changed from being a carved stone to being a real man. And then I love this, this is the way he ends this particular chapter in the book, Mere Christianity. And he says, and that's precisely what Christianity is about. The world is a great sculptor's shop We are the statues, and there's a rumor going around the shop that some of us are someday going to come to life. (laughs) In him was life, creative life, original life, biological life that became, because of our failing, a mere shadow of real life with God. But fortunately for us, in him was life, goes much further. In him was life because Jesus is the avenue that we reconnect with God. Through his sacrificial death, there's forgiveness of sins. We can reconcile with the author of life. When a person comes to faith in Jesus, the Bible teaches that we are united with him in his death. And we are united with him also in his resurrection. We need this union with his death because through his death we see our sins compensated for. Punished in him instead of us. 
And we need this union with his resurrection to enter into the eternal life that he promised. The spiritual life, the new birth, as he talked to Nicodemus, you must be born again. There must be a different kind of birth that needs to go on other than this, just this biological birth. There needs to be a spiritual birth. And he said those famous words to Nicodemus in John 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But what is eternal life? For one, it's life of eternal quantity. It's, it's life immeasurable. It's life that goes on and on. Jesus said to Martha, his, her brother Lazarus' grave, right before he raised him from the dead, as, as a picture of what would happen when he was raised from the dead immortal. He says, I am right now resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who believes in me does not ultimately die at all. And then he turns to Martha and he says, do you believe this? And we think those sort of questions, it's like he turns to all of us and says, do you believe this? In him was life. It means when I'm united with him by faith that all I need to do is come to him in repentance and faith and call out to him as Savior and Lord and he says that I am united with him in faith in his death and his resurrection. That I have life that will never end. Even though you die. Paul teaches later, the Apostle Paul teaches later that to be away from the body, biological death, for the believer will be to be at home with the Lord, spiritual life with God forever. And beyond this, Scripture teaches that Jesus' physical resurrection is the first of many to come. That he's a prototype for all who are united to him in faith. That there will come a time that all who trust in Jesus will experience a resurrection where new spirit and new body will come together for life eternal. Life everlasting. Like his body. Somewhat like our bodies, apparently. But not really. Read the, read, read the post-resurrection accounts and you see, wow, there's some things going on with this body that I can't do. I can't walk through doors. I can't disappear. I can't. Jesus did things with this new body. You say, wow, this is similar but other. And Jesus says, those who believe in me will be resurrected to that sort of body. We will be like him. It will be life with eternal quantity. But in him his life goes further yet. It's not simply an everlasting quantity of life 
that will someday be fully realized. Well, I trusted in Jesus, and yeah, I'm going to go to heaven someday, and oh yeah, there's that resurrection thing. I scratched my head about that a little bit, but I guess I'll have a new body and all will be well. I'm glad I punched my ticket. No, it goes, it goes much further yet. There, will be an, there is an eternal quality of life that begins the moment that you trust in him. Now, I, I think that, you know, just like a baby who is biologically born can hardly tell what happened in that moment as they have gone through the birth canal, in a lot of ways, when we are first reborn spiritually, we're just like that wriggling baby that we don't know much about what's going on except the fact that I can <gasps> breathe and my lungs are taken in air, spiritual air that I can see differently, and I'm wriggling around in a new reality. But you're meant to continue to grow up in a new quality of life. When we share in the resurrection life of Jesus, we truly begin to live. The Bible says, as a new creation, dead to sin, alive to God. So much so that he, right now, here and now, in this era, comes and brings his life, his living presence, to dwell within us. In the reality of the Holy Spirit of God. Because the core reality of this new quality of life is summed up by knowing Him. Because to know Him, not know of Him, to know Him, to be reconnected with Him, means life. Jesus said in John 17, 3, he actually prayed this, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. There's not just a new quantity of life, there's a new quality of life, because I've been reconnected to the author of life. Now some of you might say, well, I don't really feel or experience much different. You might be honest like that. Or maybe some days I do and then other days I don't. Or some months I do and other months I don't. I mean, I believe I have new life. I hope I have new life, but I'm not sure I feel it. Let me just give you a couple, just a couple of simple encouragements. I grew up on the, uh, at, in New Jersey, right? I grew up in New Jersey. So that is uh, on the East Coast, the Atlantic Ocean. And I grew up there. I spent 30-something years there. So when I went to uh, the ocean, I would go and stand at the ocean and peer out to the ocean. I knew I was... Now, this is going to be helpful for uh, directionally savvy people, but for those who are a little like directionally challenged, it might not. So just bear with me. So when I stood at the ocean in New Jersey and looked out, I knew I was facing east. Very good. I knew I was facing east. I knew my bearing. I knew if I turned left up the shore, I was headed north. And if I turned right, I was headed south. And that was my experience, right, for, for many, many years. Now, in February of this past month, Cheryl and I went 
to southwest Florida. And all of a sudden, I go and I go to the beach and I experience something that seems very similar. There's sand, there's a shore, there's a vast sea. But is it similar? Is it all the same? No. In fact, everything's changed. The sun doesn't rise over this, this sea. The sun sets. When I look out to the sea, I'm not looking east. I'm looking west. And here is the thing, and, and again, because I like directional stuff, this kind of threw me off for a while. If I went out to the beach and I turned left, I wasn't headed north. I was headed south. And if I went right, I wasn't headed south. I was headed north. So it looked the same, but everything was different. I needed to remind myself of that. I needed to reorient myself to that. I think the same is true in our new life. There is this season that, that things at, at times, at first blush, will appear like the same. But they're not. They're different. You just have to retrain your brain. You have to retrain your heart. You have to retrain your antenna. Because everything has changed. I have to reorient myself. And I think I, it, it, you need to apply practices that continue to reorient yourself. I am alive in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. This is why we need to dedicate ourselves to spending time with God. This is we, why we need to dedicate our, to our, ourselves to time in His Word, through study and meditation. This is why we need to dedicate ourselves to being a community together, to worship, to service in the name of Christ, because I am alive in Christ. And though in this world, at first blush, things sometimes look the same, I'm on a different coast. I'm alive in Christ. We need to reorient ourselves. And secondly, in our new life, we still have a free will. This means that even though we are truly new creations in Christ, if you have put your faith in Him, we can still choose to live as if we're not. The principles still remain. Choices detached from God are still pathways dwelling in a life of death. And choices attached to God are pathways dwelling in new life. If you choose to continue in the rhythms of death, you will continue to feel dead. If you choose to continue in, in ways that, are, that say, no, Lord, I'm detached from you, you will continue to feel detached from God. But choices that are attached to God become pathways of new life. As Paul asks in Romans 12, 2, rhetorically, he says, if we've left the country where sin is sovereign... How can we still live in our old house there? Or don't you realize we packed up and left there for good? We need to reorient ourselves 
And we need to start making some different choices. We need to realize we've left that old country. It made me think, uh, just a, a last simple illustration, the, the, the Coppages were telling Sean and I uh, a week or two ago about a cat they had. And there was times, and, and I, I think this was a cat maybe even that they took in, and there were times with this cat that he seemed to um, just lovingly embrace the luxury and the, and the, the, uh, the care, the nurturing, the provision, the love, the petting that he received at the house of Bob and Fran. And then there, there's other times that the cat would just be like missing. And be like, where's the cat? And a neighbor, you know, three weeks later would be like, oh, oh yeah, I saw your cat. He's, uh, he's, he was sleeping in the gutter. He was hanging out in the sewer. He was maybe eating out of the trash can over, you know, at the neighbor's. And Fran said that there was a time that, that she had a real heart-to-heart -heart with this cat. Said, listen, you don't need to do that anymore. We love you. We'll pet you. We'll care for you. We'll feed you. We've got a warm house. We've got a fire you can curl up next to. You don't need to sleep in the gutter. You don't need to eat out of trash cans. You can almost imagine that cat going, okay, thank you. Three weeks, three weeks later, oh, yeah, I saw your cat down in the gutter. And sometimes I think we're like that cat. It's like, it's like God has given us life, life, and more life, yet there's still too many times that he finds us sleeping in the gutter and eating out of trash cans. And he's like, what are you doing? Let's have a talk. Let's, let's get back face to face. You don't have to be there anymore. You don't have to sleep there anymore. You don't have to eat that garbage anymore. You don't have to believe those lies anymore. You don't have to believe those lies about yourself anymore. You don't have to feel condemned anymore. You don't have to live in guilt and shame anymore. You can come home. As we wrap up, I just have one more scripture that I want to read. Then we're going to play a song that goes along with the scripture. I think it's a great reminder of what new life in Christ means. Just listen. Some famous words out of Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Notice it doesn't say that for the here and now, this means an easy life, or a never troubled life, or a never sad life, or a never difficult life, or a never confused life, or a never sick life. It means that the trouble, the difficulty, the pain, the sickness, and the sorrow for the one who is made alive in Christ will not have the last word. Because you are loved, and you are made alive, and nothing in all eternity will overcome those realities. We're going to close our service without not singing a song, but listening to a song. It's just been a song that goes along with these verses, and it's been a song that's really been an Easter song for me this year. So you can look up on the screen. It should have the words and listen to the song here. strength is gone. You're the one who calls me on. You are the life. You are the fight that's in my soul. Oh, your resurrection power burns like fire in my heart. When waters rise, I lift my eyes up to your throne. I will sing into 
he dies will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Do you? (laughs) He is risen. Amen? In him was life, creative life, new life, eternal in quantity and quality, resurrected life, more alive than ever before, and our invitation is to live in this life, to fully live into what it is to be more than conquerors through Him who loved us. So go forth and live and be an agent of life. Amen? May it be. God bless you. Amen.